the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. We are here on Monday, January 6th. So, yes, we do have some mailbag questions for you. They are coming up later. Uh, We are going to uh, look at the Mississippi State job. Oh, you thought the coaching carousel was done? Oh, Joe Moorhead showed up for work thinking that it was going to be all good in 2020. Well, it's not. Uh, He's out of a job, and Mississippi State's open. So the Power 5 coaching carousel continues to turn, and uh, and, and we've got a little bit of news as we are sitting here uh, in the immediate immediate reaction, the immediate aftermath of Tua Tagovailoa taking the stage at the uh, at Alabama and announcing that he will forego his senior season to enter the 2020 NFL draft. Um, you know, gentlemen, how are we doing? Uh, Barton, how did you survive your weekend in San Antonio? Yeah, I did. <clears throat> um, and I was usually I go to that thing sick and I, and I leave sick and you know, it takes a while to recover. I made it through the whole week. I was in good shape. Long days. Come got got through eight eight healthier than usual. Get home feeling good, and then like I, I uh, in 24 hours I managed to get sick at home. So I'm, 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 yeah, still struggling a little bit, but it was a good week. Fighting hard, Tom. How are we feeling? I am 100 percent healthy. Never felt better in my life. Woo! Well, that's more than can be said for uh, <laughs> for for Tua Tagovailoa. He spent the weekend up in New York, uh, getting all of his last minute medical opinions. He, you know, I th- we, we talked a lot about it in last, in our last podcast together about if, if there's a lot of smoke, then there's gotta be something there The You know, where he landed on what he should do might have been a decision that he's reached for a while. Now his, his family and his team around him, according to reports, certainly seemed split on what they thought might happen or what they thought should happen. But all that now hits, uh, hits the rearview mirror as we exist in a world where Tua Tagovailoa will not be back in Tuscaloosa, despite uh, the growing momentum suggesting that he might surprise everyone and do that. We do have some other players, Devonta Smith, uh, adding his name to the list that includes Alex Leatherwood and Dylan Moses that will be back in Tuscaloosa. Uh, so Smith's back. I didn't see that. So yeah. Smith's yep. coming back. All yeah, right, he nice. just pretty much he announced it like right after Tua did, which is like, let's let's make up some speculatory reasons. <laughs> Devontae's like, I'm gone if two is back, and if two is gone, I'm back. So Tua cut Devonta in line for a lunch at the bowl game, and he decided right then. That's how he was going to make his decision. Um, so let's let's start with the Tua move. Uh, number one, uh, where would you consider it in terms of your surprise in the moment? Because as Tom pointed out in our Slack room, uh, you know, 
the there is a very easy well duh kind of reaction to this because if we saw Tua at the end of his freshman season, you know, throwing the national championship winning touchdown to Devonta Smith, coming out during his uh, his sophomore season and sort of lighting the world on fire, the Heisman front runner, like the the idea was that he would be likely a three and done type player. So if you want to sit back and say I knew it all along, that's fine. But you know, in the moment, where was your surprise? And then uh, you know, how do you feel about the the decision and sort of from the Tua perspective first, Tom? Surprise level on a scale of one to ten, two. Because I, I'd always expected that he would be leaving, and I to go along with what you're saying, yeah, the injury kind of left things up in the air. It's just I didn't think that he would come back for another season simply because I didn't think the injury was going to bother NFL teams that much to begin with. I still think that he's a very talented player, and NFL teams are going to take a chance. So it's like I knew that they were trying to see what the draft rating or what the idea would be for him, and I did not see a situation where he was going to fall very far in the draft, if at all, because of this injury. So I thought he was going to be leaving, but I put it at a two just because since the bowl game in the last few weeks, there has been some smoke that clearly his mind wasn't entirely made up. There was a part of him that maybe thought he should go back, and I think there was a part of him that wants to go back. So there was some questionable in the air. It's just I did think that at the end of the day, the logic would determine to him and his family that, you know what, we're probably better off if we do have rehab to do on this hip and to get healthy again. Let's do it while we're getting paid and a team is paying for it. Yeah, you know, they did a good job of creating some drama suspense. Yeah. I mean, because, Hey, there were no leaks. There was, you know, guys were coming back, guys were emoji tweeting and there's a lot of speculating based off of emoji tweeting. And that's always good for the drama. Um, but like as, as the thing approached, I just, I, I, I couldn't figure out, like it would, it would not have made sense to me for him to come back. Like, He's going to get drafted in the first round, mm-hmm. and, and and even if he doesn't get drafted fifth, I, I still think that it makes sense to go because as long as he goes in the first round, he's still going to have. And look, he probably ends up on a better team that way. He's got more long term earning power. He's got more. Uh, he's got more ability to to uh, maintain his career for a longer period of time. That you know the he can learn. I mean. There's there's all kinds of positives to going later in the first round as well, and I just there was no scenario I could see other than just like a a major complication with the hip that he doesn't go first round because uh, the more we've gotten information, the more it's appeared that this is a you know serious injury, but but fairly um, you know no, nothing extenuating here. I mean, fairly routine surgery everything's gone according to plan so far. I mean, why would he come back? I think that I had allowed myself to get swayed up in the, uh, I'd allowed myself to get caught up in the drama. I allowed myself to, you know, just sort of entertain the idea. If, if only, you know, maybe as an exercise for preparation, there were those within our own CBS sports college football family who were fairly certain that uh, that this would end up uh, breaking the way where Alabama does get to a back, but to to what you're saying, 
there is it's like you could come back and you could get healthy and try to lead Alabama to a national championship in 2020 do it alongside some of the guys that were in your recruiting class who were making similar decisions but there's also you know you you only your only job is going to be to get healthy like your your only a, an entire NFL franchise is going to devote every resource possible towards you and trying to get you in a position so that for when it's time and your number is called on a Sunday that you're going to be in the best position and you're going to be paid. You will be paid handsomely to do nothing but get your body ready and to be able to uh, get yourself ready mentally. I thought that the connection of the family and the connection to the team might be able to draw him in, but it, it sure seemed that even if he was a little bit on the fence about it, he didn't. He didn't waffle. Like, it's so funny. It, didn't it seem like he was going to put on uh, a Miami Dolphins hat the way it was set up? I mean, it kind of <laughs> right. had like a National Signing Day feel to it. And because of the National Signing Day feel, you know, when someone really is torn up, you can kind of see it on their faces. I mean, my man came out quoting Tim McGraw. He knew exactly <laughs> what he was going to be doing. Uh, so I'm, I, I look at Tua, and I think that when we left the – I know I've, I've said it on some radio hits, so I hope I said it on the Cover 3 podcast first. Uh, if, if I was advising him, I would have advised him – if I was his conciliaire, I would have told him to go secure your financial future, and that is exactly what Tua has done. So I, I, we, we'll get to something in the mailbag a little bit later about what we think for – uh, his NFL draft prospects. And as a just sort of general you know, notice to our listeners, those who are loyal listeners and have been around for a couple years, yeah, we, we <laughs> dabble in some NFL drafts. So if you dig the NFL draft conversation, we keep it going throughout the spring as, frankly, we know way more about these guys than the NFL guys do. So take that, Pick 6 podcast. Except Y'all for, don't know nothing. Except for Ryan Wilson. Ryan Wilson does know a lot. He's smart. You can just tell by looking at him. Yeah, but everybody else on that podcast is an idiot. Uh, yeah, they're. Just, I mean, they're just reading whatever we wrote and just. Yeah, yeah, that's all there is. Okay, so uh, Alabama and the quarterback position in 2020. Mac Jones uh, is he going to be back? Uh, Bryce Young. What kind of chances do we give him to be able to win that starting job? And then I think the other piece of this that's kind of interesting. And Barton is like, is Bryce Young going to be good enough to win that job? Is Mac Jones going to stick around and win that job? And then the third door here, which is does Alabama entertain uh, jumping in the graduate transfer portal? How do you think Nick Saban and Steve Sarkeesian want to play this? Well, let me ask you a question on who you think will win the job by, by phrasing it this way. <clears throat> is Who would you give the starting job to, Mac Jones or a true freshman to a? Mac Jones. Mac Jones. Who? Really? Yeah. My, I, 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 I'm surprised to hear you say that. My here's my thought process. Have you seen Alabama's schedule next year? Their uh, first three games, they play USC and Jerry World. Then they get Georgia State at home. But their third game of the season is Georgia. I don't know that I want a true freshman starting my season when two of my first three games are USC and Georgia. But don't isn't that the whole point of like why Tua? Was was forced to play as a true freshman, anyways, because you can beat the the teams that you're supposed to beat with Jalen. But when you really needed some serious TNT, you you went to to Tua, right? I and so for Georgia, you can can you just bus drive your way through that game? I don't think Mac Jones is as limited as a passer as Jalen was, though. Uh, he's he's but he's more he's a lot more limited as a runner. 
Yeah. yeah. So look, I, there's no right or wrong answer. I mean, so y'all y'all would rather have Mac. I would rather have a true freshman Tua. And I and the 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 reason that I make that comparison is because I think that Bryce Young is a right-handed Tua. So I think you got I think you have a Tua level talent coming in in Bryce Young as an early enrollee. He's already on campus right now. I just watched him for a week at the All American game, and he is he can do things that Mac Jones can't. Now and and by the way, he's also about as mature as any true freshman you're ever going to find. Um, similar to Tua in that regard, honestly. And so that doesn't necessarily. And even if we're even if I'm right, even if if Bryce Young is a right-handed Tua and he's coming in with that kind of talent, that kind of ability, and he's gonna and he's going to. Uh, assimilate and learn the playbook quickly and it's all going to click right even if i'm right about that that still doesn't necessarily guarantee that nick saban would would start him over mac jones because to us out on the bench the, well yeah to us a to us out on the bench and b with all the transfer portal stuff i mean if you start bryce what happens to your quarterback room you're gonna is mac and and talia gonna transfer and and does maybe he just doesn't want to deal with all of the repercussions of another true freshman quarterback when you got a solid quarterback in Mac Jones, at least you get through like midway through the season or something and then see if you need him. Um, but I think it's going to be really, cause, cause the old Saban wouldn't have done like the old Saban five years ago would have rolled Mac. Like we, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Like Saban doesn't start true freshman quarterbacks. Um, he would, he would start with the sure thing. And so it's, I'm curious whether the, a new Saban starts the true freshman, who I think is better, or says, I'm going to go with the experienced guy, whether that's because I trust him more or because I don't want to deal with the transfer portal shenanigans. I, I think Mac will start and Young will get snaps. It'll be a lot like what we saw with Clemson with Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence, where they're going to ease him in and then maybe he over he takes over the starting job as the season goes along. But I think it's important to point out, like when Tua came into that title game, we all remember how it ended. Because, you know, he threw the touchdown. They won the game. They won the national title. But Tua made a lot of true freshman decisions before that. And that, you know, if things go another way, Alabama might not have won that game. It's just so with Young, yes, maybe he's better ceiling, higher ceiling, but he's still a true freshman. And when you're playing those kind of games early, true freshmen do make mistakes no matter how talented they are. I remember in Atlanta after the game, Nick Saban was – talking about how lucky Tua was that he made that pass because he was about to rip his head off for taking a 15-yard sack <laughs> yes, on the snap yes. right before it. Like, but, but, but didn't you think that Alabama was better with Tua in than Jalen? Like, wasn't, wasn't there a clear difference in the way that team played in the second half? Yes. Do you think we're all just uh, overinflating that one play and – and not being honest about how Alabama looked it was, the rest of the half. Well, because remember, it was an entire youth movement because they took out Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs and just let Najee Harris get in there. Alex Leatherwood started playing. You had all the freshman wide receivers out there. I mean, it was like a, you know, we are out of options on offense. All the old stuff ain't working. Let's put in the young guys, go no huddle, and just see if we can make it happen. And, I mean, look, they only needed to get, what, 20 points or 13 points in order to get it to overtime? They didn't have yeah, to get much to be able to uh, to get it there. 
Tua threw the touchdown, but he also finished that game 14 of 24. So he completed 58% of his passes, 166 yards. So he only averaged 6.9 yards per attempt. It's not like he was just coming in and bombing everybody. He had the bomb to win the game and he had a couple big throws, but man, he had a lot like that sack was one of them. And it's not even the sack. He was just making some throws that it's like, Oh God, no, like that sh- maybe should have been picked off or were just bad decisions. So, you know, it's, there's, there's definitely a higher ceiling I would think than Mac Jones. But I think that with the amount of talent Alabama has, like, I think it's going to beat USC with Mac Jones or Young because I just don't think USC has shown us any reason to think. Yeah, it's you know that, that, that game doesn't matter. That's that's my point. Is is yeah, USC, you're fine with with um, Mac, but this the Georgia game is is like if you're Georgia and this this is your I don't know what your answer is going to be to this. It could be anything. But what, if you're Georgia, who would you rather see? Oh man! If a Georgia fan, if Georgia goes up at halftime, yeah. If Georgia, <laughs> that's who I'd rather see. If Georgia goes up at halftime, Mac Jones gets pulled and Bryce Young comes in and leads Alabama to a win. Georgia fans' heads are going to explode. <laughs> like no, I, I think that I would probably rather see Mac Jones just for you know. Oh yeah, you would. The you know the devil you know versus. Uh, this this freak five star that could just be like you said you know a little bit of TNT a little bit of explosiveness that Mac Jones isn't able to provide but I mean if if you still got uh, a couple of All America caliber wide receivers with Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle and you uh, I, I don't know who's going to end up. Has Najee announced yet? Is Najee announced yet? I don't believe so. No, let's see. I just saw a tweet about this. To be in, to be determined, Najee Harris, Henry Ruggs, Landon Dickerson, Josh McMillan. I bet Najee comes back. Najee should come back because there, there's a lot of really good backs in this class. Though, didn't Chuba Hubbard come back? Or did, did Mike, he has, Mike Gundy tweet Mike something Gundy, yeah. uh, cryptic? Gundy tweeted the Canadian flag and like the flex emoji, which has everybody thinking Chuba's coming back. But that, there has been absolutely no confirmation about that at all. Ha- that was Hashtag emoji season. Yeah. <laughs> I... I, I think that the oh well how about this one last um, wrinkle we didn't even entertain Talia so what I, I I in my opinion Talia is is third the third stringer yeah okay what I about could be wrong but I, I think he's a third Alabama quarterback Jamie Newman I that'd be fun he, he's like he's gonna end up at Oregon yeah, yeah that's where all the winds are blowing right now. But I, like if I think that if Alabama got a transfer quarterback, it would be a Gardner Minshew type. And if you remember, Gardner Minshew was almost went to Alabama to be a third string guy. Like he turned out, he he backed out of that, went to Washington State, and the rest is history. But the mentality there was bring him in for depth. I I would have a hard time seeing Alabama bring in Derek King or Jamie Newman or one of these starter quality guys. I just there, there's got to be a better situation out there. Yeah, I think I think Newman's going to I mean ever since pretty much Newman announced it surprised everybody when he joined there's been like smoke connecting him to Oregon. So I think that's where he's going to end up. Yeah, that was which pretty- might be an upgrade for Oregon's offense. <laughs> Seriously. So don't, don't tell that don't tell that to the Pacific Northwest folk. Um Mississippi State now has an open head coaching position. Joe Moorhead uh you know, wins the egg bowl and says, you're going to have to drag my Yankee ass out of here. Well, they did. 
They dragged yeah. his shortly after the new year. They dragged his Yankee ass on out of Starkville, and uh, and I guess the there started to be some reporting from this um, a couple like a day or so leading up to it, but I don't, I don't know like with some of the All Star circuit that you've been at Barton, was there any was there any suggestion that this might be something that was coming? Um. Uh. Well, I mean, there was suggestion that something was a a buzz heading into the Egg Bowl, obviously, and then we all know what happened there, and it, seemingly that was that saved him. Um. But I don't know whether it was the 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 Willie Gay punch to Garrett Schrader knocking your quarterback out of the bowl game, and he didn't even get suspended, right? And Willie Gay played, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, that tells you a little something about team chemistry. Uh. And I think, and then losing the bowl game, just, it's just a, you know, they're looking, I think they just wanted, I think it was just clear it wasn't going to work. And they just were looking for a way out and they got it. He gave it to them with a couple extra bullet points there. And, um, you know, it's, it's Joe Moorhead is, I, th- I think that wasn't a fit. And that's a, that's, a, I think that's a real lesson for ADs, for us, for everyone that like, there is, I mean, Matt Rule bucked it because Matt Rule was a Northeastern guy, brought him down to Texas. He hired a staff of high school coaches and brought a few of his guys with him and has has crushed it. But I don't know. Mississippi is a different place. Like Mississippi is – I don't know how much time you all spend in Mississippi, but that that's a different place. That is a, a totally – like a, I feel like that's another country think, in some ways. Yeah. I just think the culture in the SEC is very much a different thing than a lot of coaches are used to if they haven't spent. Like, I think it's easier to be a quote unquote bad fit or a new fit at a place like Baylor than it will be at any SEC school. It's just, it's a different world. Yeah. Yeah. My Mississippi experience is only with privileged Newman and Metairie Country Day New Orleans kids who just yeah, drift over. Thing. Yeah, they, <laughs> they just drift across state lines to Bay St. Louis and uh, to their nice beach houses there. That's all I've got. So I haven't seen real Mississippi. Yeah, it's – um, but I, I think like the, the Joe Moorhead also – yes, it wasn't – it didn't work. It wasn't a fit. But it's – this has been one of the ones of this cycle more so than any because Joe Moorhead is such a well-liked person he's such a i think he and i think he he's he he is a good i think he's a good human being and and this is one that you can you could see the emotion when he would win late in the year when he felt like he was fighting for his job and you know you could tell how bad he wanted it and but it just wasn't gonna work and this is these are real people this real family now it's got to relocate there's a bunch of off-field guys and guys that aren't getting paid millions that have to relocate and uh, it's a it's a tough it's a tough deal considering that he thought he survived and weathered the storm and now he's gone. So who does Mississippi State go after? Like where where does the candidates list? Well, Billy Napier said no. Apparently, yeah, that, that was a surprise. Yeah, like that would have been like like I, I thought honestly when when they made the move, I thought okay, well they've probably got Napier already kind of you know. Wait for the bowl game to be over, but basically a they've got a wink, wink. Commitment. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then shortly after, he's like, "Nope, I'm good." <laughs> I wonder if Napier's holding out for like an SEC East job, like a South Carolina, or um, that's smart. That's real savvy. Uh, if so, I mean, he know he's he's coached at Alabama. He knows how tough it is to beat those guys. 
Well, so Maybe you, he wants to be part of that. So, all right, what about Butch Jones and Steve Sarkeesian? Is Sarkeesian? Get, I haven't seen Sarkeesian's in the mix. That's, that's, a, that's I, a name getting buzzed. I know. I was mentioning former head coaches who are on Alabama staff that if they're trying uh, to go for someone who knows the lay of the land and that's the only thing they need to be able to check the culture boxes they need, there are two former head coach, two former Power Five head coaches currently on the Alabama staff that uh, that might get a look. I don't know. I mean, if Butch <laughs> couldn't win at Tennessee, is he going to win at Mississippi State? Yeah, I wouldn't bet on it. I would like it's it's a if I was the athletic director, I I wouldn't hire Butch Jones. But you're at a very I, strange spot in the hiring cycle. Like I don't I don't know what the what the list of appropriate candidates even looks like right now. Are you taking swings at coaches who said no to what I would consider to be better jobs in order to stay put where they are? Like what's I, the what's the strategy there? I think that Mississippi State is a program that's in a position where it needs to take big swings. And I, I you know Joe Moorhead was a swing that clearly didn't work, but I think that if Mississippi State is going to compete in the SEC West, it needs to take on. It needs to try lotto tickets, kind of like Dan Mullen was, where he wasn't a proven head coach yet, but obviously he had SEC experience as Florida's offensive coordinator. I don't think you could go get a retread head coach and expect to get the kind of results that you clearly want, considering you just fired Joe Moorhead after two seasons. Because. I don't know if Butch Jones is winning more games at Mississippi State than Joe Moorhead did. I don't think Steve Sarkeesian is winning more games at Mississippi State than Joe Moorhead did. Maybe they're better cultural fits, but if it's a results-based business, they're not going to bring you the kind of results you're clearly looking for. I think that if you want to be back to where you were with Dan Mullen, you got to take a little bit of a chance. The There's a little traction with Todd Grantham. Like There's some interesting names. That are being floated around. Uh, Todd Grant, Jeff, Jeff Munkin was in there. Um, Good luck selling that, by the way, if that happens. I know. Like I, we we know it. I I will like the hire, but we know what the reaction from Mississippi State fans will be if they hire Jeff Munkin, and it won't. Well, be. And then the other one, and uh, Troy Calhoun, I think, was reported somewhere as maybe, and then. I think Adam Rittenberg, and maybe maybe I think I feel like several people threw his name out there. There, Gene Chiswick. It was also a a name that is getting various very serious consideration, which a little bit feels like a bunch of media guys are buddies with Gene Chiswick, and so this is the one they're going to throw his name out for. Um, but of those coaches, it's I mean none of them are. I can't imagine the Mississippi State fan base is going to be like clawing at the chain link fence for the. The you know when the G five arrives or whatever for the the coaching presser. Oh, so no, Willie Fritz doesn't get get them going either. I wouldn't think so. Although that'd be another hire that I like. Uh, yeah, I think Willie Fritz is probably a good hire, but I'm not sure how excited Mississippi State fans are going to be about it. So, yeah, and I think that's one thing that they should con- they should try to consider too. Like, don't try to win the press conference or the Twitter reaction to the hire. Just fine. Like Jeff Munkin. I know the fear is, you know, he's an option coach, but I don't think he would just come to Mississippi State and say, all right, we're running the wishbone or we're running the yeah. flex. I think not running the triple. Bring, yeah, he would He would bring spread concepts to his offense, but he would diversify because he would have the kind of talent available that allows him to do that. 
But I also think that you got to be a little different if you're Mississippi State and you're going to win. Because when Dan Mullen came to Mississippi State and was running his offense, not everybody else in the SEC West was running the same kind of offense. They were different. And I think Mississippi State is one of those programs where it needs to be different than everybody else in the SEC if it's going to beat them. Coming up on the other side, how would we put together the dream coaching staff? Some of the SEC West jobs and hires ranked against each other and a wildly intense, the first 2020 cover three mock draft next. (laughs) The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right. So we do have questions from the mailbag. And if you are going to submit a question, we love it. We've seen them. They're coming in. We're going to continue to tear through them. The way you do it is you go to the Cover 3 podcast page. Leave us a five-star review. And in your review, leave your question for the mailbag. It gets added to the mailbag. And then we will address it on a future mailbag segment. We will be having more mailbag segments, uh, not just sort of a full Monday show, but as we move into a little bit more of an off-season schedule, still checking in with you on a mostly weekly basis, a couple times a week, especially as we're sitting here putting the 2019-2020 season to bed. But uh, but I, I'm telling you, we've got some uh, the, the questions that are great, just like uh, great music. It's timeless, baby. So, uh, so we will start with... Uh, how about yeah yeah yeah? We'll we'll start with Arkansas fan, and this question is from Pokey Hog fan. Arkansas fans were disappointed that they didn't get Kiffin, but with the hiring of Pittman, the energy seems to be mostly positive. Question mark. The former players love him and are all pumped he's back. So who won between the two schools, Arkansas or Ole Miss? Kiffin may have a higher ceiling, but a larger degree of risk too, right? Hmm. <clears throat> it's a tough one. Uh, I guess who? who one of you guys want to take it? Oh yeah, I think I, I think Arkansas. I love every yeah. I love everything about Pittman since this happened. Yeah, I'm I'm a big I'm a big supporter of um. So his 
his image for how he's trying to go out there on the recruiting trail, the kind of staff that he's putting together, and um, ev- everything about it. I, I think that Arkansas won this one. Yeah, I think Pittman is the kind of hire Mississippi State should consider making. Try to find their Pittman. I just, I think this is going to be at least definitely between Chip and I. This is going to be like an unrepentant Arkansas Homer podcast with with Pittman there. I think we're both very much on board. And, and that's not to say anything bad about the Kiffin hire. Although I will say that the Kiffin excitement or you know interest kind of dimmed for me with the Durkin hire. So that's kind of hurt that maybe recency bias. I do, I do agree with Pokey Hog fan to a degree that Kiffin probably has a higher ceiling, but also a very much lower floor that ends up with, you know, scholarships taken away and bowl bands and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I think, I think Pittman will have a more, I don't know what's the right word. Well, it's not going to be a supernova. It's not going to no. burst into flames. Pittman, Pittman is going to build and it's going to take some, it is going to take a little bit of time to build it in his image. But I mean, don't you think that by year two or year three, we should have an Arkansas team built in the image of Sam Pittman? Yeah. A tough team. Yeah. I, 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 mean, I tend to agree with you guys. I, I, um, I just remember in the coaching search process, there was, I, mean, I was just sort of monitoring the, our Arkansas boards um, a 24 seven and, and, you know, there were some Sam Pittman, it was more like, like questions than reporting. Like, what about Sam Pittman? And I remember sort of just kind of bypassing it because I didn't think that was going to happen because they were talking about all these head coaches. And, but I remember thinking like, man, you know what? That's, that's actually a pretty good idea. That's a pretty good spot. And I, I do think that with him, his arrival, and particularly with his ability to hire coaches in a short period of time, I mean, he hired Barry Odom which say what you will i've never i've i've never heard let's put it this way i've heard multiple coaches speak really highly of barry odom as a coach and a person so i think that's a good hire i think kendall bryles is a a good hire i mean that was definitely a highly sought after hire for offensive coordinator and so i mean if sam Pittman can inject some of his toughness into that offense and you know it could be a good marriage so um look i think lane kiffin makes a lot of sense for Ole miss i think that's a good fit there too but there is definitely a little bit of a um like an intriguing excitement about Pittman in arkansas what do you think all right so then to just throw mississippi state in this and, and again thank you for the question if mississippi state is going to make a Sam Pittman like hire. Is that a, where Todd Grantham comes in? Maybe, uh, or it could be. What's the uh, special teams coordinator at New England? The former player, Joe Judge. That's right. Joe Judge might be their Pittman. How? But that's a different deal, though. Like it's a different. Like Joe Judge does carries no clout among recruits. Mm-hmm. Like what the part of the appeal of Pittman is, he comes in. Oh, he, he coached Stephen Goskowski. <laughs> so yeah so that that's like there's no there's no awareness of him in coaching college coaching and college recruiting circles so i think todd grantham on the other hand comes and you know there's, there's an awareness there's a i mean he's a nerd a, hater you know and he, nerd yeah. hater is going to attract other nerd haters that's going to be just a big old big big old pot of nerd haters this could be a great could be a great recipe 
so good. Uh, God, that drop is going to be played so much over the next few years. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, all right, next one. If y'all were if y'all were the athletic director and you were in charge of hiring a staff, which head coach, coordinator, and position coaches with unlimited money would you hire? Okay, current and, and uh, oh, it says current coaches. Ooh, so I got to throw one off there. Oh, you look at you. You can't even follow simple rules. It was it was my special teams coordinator. I got time. You want me to <laughs> Who uh, are you gonna hire for your special teams coordinator that's out of the game? Urban. Urban was gonna be your special teams coordinator? <laughs> yeah, baby. Oh man, you took this to the extreme here. Yeah. <laughs> he just wants to coach with none of the pressure. <laughs> like, okay, all right, I'll I'll go ahead and lead this off then. Uh my head coach is Nick Saban. My offensive coordinator is Lincoln Riley. My defensive coordinator is Brent Venables. My wide receivers coach is Joe Brady. My running backs coach is Eddie Grand. Shout out to Lynn Bowden Jr., Benny Snell, and uh, the Kentucky Wildcats rushing attack. My offensive line coach is... Yes, sir. (laughs) Sam Pittman. My defensive line coach is Larry Johnson from Ohio State. My linebackers coach is Dave Aranda from LSU. And coaching the DBs, I've got Kirby Smart. Okay. So I, I took a different approach. That's good. I only, I, I only picked, like if a guy's a head coach, he's only eligible for head coach. Oh. If, he's a, if he's an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, he's only eligible for offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. So um, – Here's what I, and I and I just did I didn't pick Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney just because it's kind of too obvious. So for head coach, I went either Matt Rule or Scott Satterfield. For do- defensive coordinator, I went Clark Lee at Notre Dame. Hipster. For <laughs> offensive coordinator, I went Eddie Grant at Kentucky. Nice. For offensive line, I went Bill Biedenbaugh at Oklahoma. Wide receiver, I went. Joe Brady, who's still just a co-OC, so he's eligible. Running back, I went Jawan Sider at Penn State mm. with the room that they've acquired over there. D-line, I got at Larry Johnson, too, um, from Ohio State. Linebacker, it's a tough one. I, I went with Antonio Pierce at Arizona State. He's really recruiting at a high level, and he's and I think that they, they play good defense, and I feel like that's he's got great energy. I feel like he'd be a good one. Uh, DB, Torian Gray at Florida, who's also produced a ton of really good DBs at Virginia Tech, too. And then special teams coordinator, I went Chris Partridge at Ole Miss. I don't even know if that's his title. I think his title might be like co-DC. But he he worked with special teams at Michigan, and he's another really good recruiter as well. Well, I I like that. Matt, wait, how did you play this, Tom? I did not go nearly as in depth. (laughs) As far as the positions, I was recording another podcast before we started this one. But I, uh, I went head coach. I, I took the easy route. I took Dabo. Offensive coordinators and defensive coordinator, I have the same as Chip. I've got Lincoln Riley as my offensive coordinator. Brent Venables is my defensive coordinator. And then for my position coaches, recruiters, 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 because I figure if I have those other three on my staff, I really don't need any other great coaches. I'm probably going to be wonderful, and I could find – Good coaches who are also great recruiters. So recruiting, 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 those three, let's go win some national titles. 
<laughs> who who would be do you have any any one uh recruiter that comes to mind that you know you would want uh i mean i'll take kirby as my recruiting coordinator <laughs> just look looking for- well you, you need to take urban as your recruiting coordinator if this is the way we're playing this thing well no he's my he's he's not a current coach he's a he's a tv personality now when when uh, when it was asked that uh, with unlimited money, who would you hire? I'm assuming that I'm able to go uh, to Kirby Smart and say, Kirby, like I understand being the head coach at Georgia is your dream how much as money, a former Georgia how much player. How do you think it would take for Kirby to leave the head coaching job at Georgia and go become your defensive backs coach, Chip? I mean, what do you think that, do you think that contract's going to be? The un- University be? of Chip Patterson is willing to offer. 10 million plus per for position coaches. Yeah. Like a billion. No, make dude, he'll like you a billion, like a billionaire to come and do V drills with our, if our uh, DBs. Dr. Kirby has already identified the disease in the Georgia program. <laughs> he'll leave for 10 to $12 million <laughs> to come not have to deal with those kinds of expectations. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the expectations at the university of Chip Patterson? Oh, baby, we just want to win our home games, beat our rival. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> win our home games, beat our rivals, sell tickets. I will Eight take and four, nine and three. That's all we need. That's all we That's need. What we're spending two hundred million a year on. Yeah, exactly. It's a not for profit. Who cares? <laughs> um, all right. Next question. The first twenty twenty cover three NFL mock draft is exactly three picks. This question came from JMD9006. It actually came in, in October. And so the qu- I'll read the question, but then we will correct it. Uh, Chip is the GM of the Dolphins. It gets the number one. Barton is the GM of the Bengals with number two. Tom is the GM of the Redskins with number three. Who do we take in the 2020 draft? Okay. And, uh, and as Tom correctly pointed out during our um, elaborate pre-show meeting, the NFL draft order is the Bengals – the Redskins and the Lions. So if I get the Bengals, uh, Barton gets the Redskins and Tom gets the Lions with the number one pick, I will be selecting the hometown kid, Joe Burrow. That was a real difficult choice for you, I'm sure. It was, I mean, you know, it was really, really tough, especially when you've got uh, an offensive leaning coach and a quarterback who just had one of the best individual seasons ever in college football history, running concept, passing game concepts from one of the best NFL offenses. So, yeah, that's an easy one. Redskins, right. you're on the clock. <clears throat> All right. Uh, we got Dwayne Haskins, right? So we don't need a quarterback. Um, I mean, the, 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 I'm leaning towards turning my Chase Young card in. But as a guy that hadn't watched a lot of NFL this year, am I missing any needs here for, no, for my you're beloved taking Chase Skins? Young. <laughs> you're taking Chase Young. <laughs> All, right. All right, Chase Young, it is. And you this, are you are running to the podium. <laughs> yeah, this is and and listen, I if if the Bengals take Chase Young number one, I won't scream and say that it's crazy. But the whole like Athens, the whole Athens Ohio connection just makes it a little bit too easy. I think. Yeah. Also, just like he's, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's, this is the, you said it. I mean, you can legitimately make a strong case. And I would say it's a tougher case to make if the, the, the answer is no, but to make a 
face that this is the best quarterback season of all time is pretty like pretty compelling. So don't, I don't overthink. Know how you turn that down. Yeah. All right. So this this is where the NFL draft does get interesting. Then Tom, what would you do with number three? Oh man, I got so many options here. This is uh, I'm the Lions. If I want to, I could take Tua because Tua is probably not going to be playing in 2020, and it'd probably be better for Tua if he's not playing in 2020. So as the Lions, I have Matt Stafford. I can draft Tua and then have him sit, rehab, and learn for a year. And then next year, I can cut Matt Stafford, and it only counts $2.4 million against the cap. So he becomes very cuttable. But I'm also the Lions, and I'm picking third in the draft for a reason because I got a lot of holes to fill, and I'm Matt Patricia. I grew up in the Patriots system. I know how we like to approach the draft or how Bill Belichick likes to approach the draft. So if I'm number three and I could use a quarterback, but I don't need a quarterback and I could trade back for multiple picks to a team like the Dolphins who have two first rounders or a team like the Raiders who have two first rounders and both will be in the market for a quarterback. Because the thing is, we talk about with two at the beginning of the show where he could fall as far as the draft, as far as the order is, teams are going to be trading up to draft him. I don't think Tua will go past the number three spot in this draft unless there are some giant red flags on the medicals. And I think if there were giant red flags in the medicals, Tua would have made a different decision today. So So you're going to trade? As the Lions, I am trading down to either the Dolphins or the Raiders, whoever give me the sweetest deal, and they will draft Tua. All right, so then you go. Let's say you're going at five. All right, now who are you picking, Sonny Weaver Jr.? Well, <laughs> <laughs> this is where things. I, I think you know the, the Lions are probably going to lean more towards defense with Matt Patricia. So at number five, obviously, especially with Chase Young gone, now that also kind of helped push me towards drafting down. But I think that maybe I could take a Jeff Akuda, who I might have considered at number three to begin with, but now that I've traded down and I've gotten more capital, it's it's probably safer to take a corner at number five than it is to number three as far as the, you know, the, the typical narrative or the viewpoint of this. But me, Matt Patricia, my defense that I run, I'm taking Derek Brown with the number five pick. I'm putting him in the middle of my defensive line and I'm going to build around him. Yeah, because then he's going to play in the middle of your defensive line for the next eight seasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's done. That is taken care of. And with my second pick that I picked up in the first round later, then I could probably maybe find whatever the top receiver is available because I do need a receiver, even with Matt Stafford or whoever my quarterback is going to be in the future. I I don't have a lot of a lot of great options. I need somebody to partner with Kenny Galladay. Be a lot of receivers for you. Mm-hmm. The uh, did we when we were doing our NFL draft reactions? Did we think it was insane that DK Metcalf fell to the second round? Because after he had that huge game for the Seahawks on Sunday, it, it's definitely gone back to being a a, a regurgitation, uh, freezing cold takes almost of uh, of the NFL draft. I don't I don't remember being no. that upset. In fact, I. I was uh, I felt like he was drafted in an appropriate spot. Yeah, um, he's still he's still a one trick pony, and I'm not and I'm I could have been wrong there, and I don't I haven't watched enough to know I know he's but he's a deep threat. Yeah, he's a deep threat, and, and I'm, he's I've a really been, good one. And I've had like Seattle fans like kind of chirping me the last because I tweeted during the combine like his 
his mock draftable chart, which showed like you know the percentile performances for them and all the drills, and how he was like 99th percentile in everything except for like the cone drill and the shuttle drill, which are you know tests of your ability to change direction, in which he was like you know in the like in the bottom 10 percentile of both. Right. And I had tweeted, I said DK Metcalf is an amazing athlete. Unless you ask him to change direction. And I've been getting Seahawks fans who found that tweet after the game this week. are like, oh, look at you, you moron. I'm like, no, that hasn't changed. Right. He's just with a smart team that is utilizing him 100% correctly while trying to teach him how to be a better all-around receiver. But he's still a freak of a man who, at his size and speed that, yeah, if you have him run some nine routes, he's going to get open quite a lot. That was a great pick. That was a yeah. great pick because I think it was the right place to take him. Um, and he's a great player, but he's a, he is also a a player with some, you know, he's limited. He has some limitations. All right, before we get out of here, let's get some predictions on record. Will we be back here discussing Baylor looking for a new head coach before Thursday? Oh, I don't know about before Thursday. I mean, I don't know when is what's what's this NFL timeline looking like? I still I still think. With no inside info, my, my hunch is that he rule ends up with the Giants. I don't think he would end up anywhere else, but I think if the Giants offered him, I think he'd take it. That's that's just my hunch. I think Matt Rule will be back at Baylor. Mm. I'm going to say Giants. Two to one. We'll see who's wrong. We'll settle this. Uh, we'll ha- we will have fights. yeah, yeah we're gonna have our uh, our championship locks coming up uh, on <laughs> Thursday and so we'll we'll also try and track down some props for you because I'm sure that they will be available so if you want to get in on locks you want to get in on props we're gonna have prop locks you want to turn into it prop it and lock it follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell you can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson gentlemen thank you very much thank you. Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.